Nobel Prize winner, Dr. Daniel Kahneman, co-inventor of prospect theory, which is sometimes known as aversion loss theory, said in his famous award-winning book, Thinking Fast and Slow, the world makes much less sense than you think. The coherence comes mostly from the way your mind works. And he went on to say, a reliable way of making people believe in falsehoods is frequent repetition, because familiarity is not easily distinguished from truth. So on today's podcast, some ways to avoid loss and pain. And now, Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade. Welcome to the podcast, Money Matters USA with Fred Sade, founder and managing director of the fiduciary firm of the same name and also host of the companion video series, which you can find on YouTube. That's the best place to search. Just search Money Matters USA with Fred Sade, S-A-I-D-E is how you spell SAID. Of course, this podcast is available wherever you download your podcast on all the platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and on and on. Fred, great to be with you again. Same here. Looking forward to it. Always enjoy these. You said a lot of really great things in quoting the uh, the co-inventor of uh, prospect theory. I'm telling you, uh, one thing in what you just said really made me think, because the world doesn't always make sense, but... I, the what I took from what you said in quoting him was that how we approach the world can yeah. make it make sense. Yes, we we force meaning on on the world. We we create meaning uh, for our for our lives. With that, without that, there, there would be no meaning, and and everything would just be empty mm-hmm. and, and and meaningless without forcing. Uh, and understanding forcing coherence uh, that doesn't otherwise uh, exist. Speaking of the world not making sense, what a month March has been. Uh, yeah. Another well, let's see. On our recording day, we still have uh, well a few more days of it left. Surging inflation, Fed hiking the interest rates, increasing energy prices, Ukraine, and so many sad stories out of Ukraine. Possible COVID-19 cases increasing again with the, what is it, the BA.2 variant, with, <laughs> yeah. with interest rates uh, rising. Bond yields dropped 42%, according to Bloomberg. And we're seeing an interest rate inversion on short-term treasuries versus the 10-year treasury. Fred, what's your take on all this? Well, the markets are trying to price based on answering an absolutely impossible question. Question is, what is Vladimir Putin thinking? And it's really impossible it is. to price on that basis. You know, the war is in its second month. 
And the longer the war continues, the more inflation we, we're going to have and the harder it is to, to get growth. Uh, the, the more investors, individual investors, institutional investors, professional investors, they're willing to pay for growth, but you have to be able to find it. So how do you price on that basis? Just massive unknowns. So just to bring people up to date, year to date, the, all the major indexes are negative, even though they were they had a positive week. The, um, the Dow Jones was a minus 4.06%. The S&P was also negative, a minus 9.43. Oh, excuse me. The S&P uh, was negative, but uh, it, was, it was down around four-ish. And the NASDAQ composite was down 9.43. I didn't even bother with the with the Russell, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Everybody seems to look at the Dow first. It's always like we look at the gas pump first to engage inflation. No, <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, the, you know, the Dow measures growth differently uh, than than the S and P, but the which is more you, accurate you, to look at to get a proper gauge. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Is but that still, the Dow is? No, the S and P. S and P. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a it reflect. It's a better reflection of the economy, but you can't uh, ignore the fact that Microsoft and Apple uh, represent about 20% mm -hmm. uh, of the economy uh, as reflected, you know, in the broad economy as reflected by the, by the S&P. So um, it, that also creates a, you know, a, 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 a distortion. How hard is it to be rational when we live in an irrational world? As we talked about, traditional economics assume that people act rationally and in their own self-interest and also assume that people can be nudged into acting for their own benefit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, we, we do a lot of things on autopilot, and that's really necessary for our own sanity. If you, if you think of the mind as a huge storage cabinet, if somebody says to you, um, I'm really seeing a lot of blue houses and, and I, I'm interested in buying a house that's blue, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're going to see blue houses because now <laughs> that that file has, has come out of storage and you're looking for the blue house. So true, yeah. So, you know, the, um, the it's really necessary because otherwise, how, how would we manage our own sanitary uh, sanity? I mean, there, there's a limit. You know, there's a limit to how much you can nudge people. There's a limit to how much you can find them. There's a limit to how much you can punish them uh, to act in ways that the you know, government wants you to act. For example, I don't smoke at all, but a pack of cigarettes in New Jersey has to be around $15, yet people continue to smoke. People text when they when they drive, but people do it. Now, this, this and with is both most, of those, you're talking about addiction, with both, actually, texting and smoking. Oh, absolutely. Look, you're, you're driving along and the phone rings. What, do you have to fight yourself not to answer it? <laughs> most people do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, 
Um, I was in heavy morning traffic going to a meeting, and I saw a driver who was the most coordinated person that I have ever seen. <laughs> so in stop-and-go traffic, and she's driving with her knees. Oh, man. She's texting. She's eating. She's applying makeup. Oh, and she's on. curling her eyelashes. She's doing all, all of this going on. She even grabbed the phone once and put it back. So I, I guess she she, could, she, didn't have, she couldn't fit that into her to her pattern. This, this is true. Is it story. not amazing now, there I, aren't more accidents than there are? I, I, was, I was amazed at this. Uh, yeah. My assumption, I've thought about about this thing for, for, for a long time because it was an amazing thing to see this. And I'm guessing that for her utility, the benefit was that she could get up later. Maybe she got an extra half hour of sleep. And even if I, I feel that even if she was stopped and she was taking it, I think she would just pay the fine and go right on doing what she was doing to get that extra, I'm assuming extra half hour of sleep, or maybe she had to get her kids out, and she just couldn't manage all of that well, within like, the time. It's the snooze and, button justification that we go through every yeah. morning. If you hit the snooze a lot, you hit it and go, "All right, now I can I can put my makeup on in the car." I guess. <laughs> the last time yeah. I hit the snooze button, <laughs> I slept through a meeting. <laughs> I know. I don't trust it. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. trust it. <laughs> Me no, it goes off. You know, the funny thing is that it goes off once or twice, and after that, I think it says, I'm going to ignore you. Right. It's a joke a comedian has a bit about that where the guy hits the snooze the first time. He's like, oh, I can just skip this this morning. And then hits it the next time, and he says this. And, and he finally, the last time he hits it, he's like, oh, I didn't like that job anyway. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Excuse me. But you know, I, 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 I get your I, point, I, yeah. though. Even the, the government, look at the, the cigarettes. A lot of that's taxed. If, if they're trying to tax people into not smoking, it does, I'm sure, work with some, but not everybody because of the addictive, the addictive nature of tobacco. Yeah, and and you also see a lot of youngsters still smoking. When we were down in Cape May uh, this summer, at the end of the summer. Um, I, I, so, uh, in, in the town of Cape May itself, uh, we saw a whole group of high school kids and they were all smoking uh-huh. and, you know, I, you know, if, if they can imagine their future self, which I, which I don't think they could possibly do, but imagine your future self, they're 80 years of age with emphysema in the hospital, you know, struggling for every breath, you know, with, with oxygen, would you, would you, would you, would you be so hot to be smoking? Would, would that be such a big deal? Right. Look grown up, look adult. Yeah, exactly. And you know, many of them now turn, I know we're on a separate subject here, but they turn to vaping, which I think the yeah. jury's out on the dangers of that. Still, we don't know yet everything. About no, that. we really don't. Because, you know, the, whatever the additives are, and you're still putting smoke into into your lungs. Mm-hmm. And I find it hard to believe that that it's that much safer. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, one of the ways I think you can deal with this is, um, I know we're off the subject, but, um, you know, have c- cigarettes with less nicotine. And um, I mean, if you can't eliminate the habit, eliminate what, uh, you know, what, what is uh, so uh, uh, dangerous. 
Right. Um, it's the carcinogens no. and everything. I, I don't know if you could ever totally remove that. Um, it, it's it's such a tough thing. And the, and the addiction of nicotine, I've heard it compared to cocaine and heroin. So, yeah, it's... It's bad. I, I wouldn't. It's hard I wouldn't. To quit. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I I quit smoking many many years ago. I did it cold turkey, and um, I was determined to stop smoking, so I did. Um, That's great. I smoked for sixteen years, and um, well, it's been many 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 years since I stopped smoking, and I, you know, I. It has no. In fact, I. It, it, you know, when you walk past someone smoking, you, you can smell sm the, the whole thing. And it, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you're smoking, you don't, you don't smell the smoke in your clothing. <laughs> when you're, oh, exactly. when, you, when you don't smoke, you, you can really smell the, how the smoke gets into I've people's heard, clothing yeah, and, your... and everything else. Well, I better get off this subject because I, I don't want to sound like I want to, I'm on a I'm on a soapbox but, here. But no, no, I think it's it's good to talk about it. But but it's still it really in in line with your theme too. Because we're talking. I guess your point is that people don't always act in their best interest. That's right. That that's right. Uh, that that's one of the problems with 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 classical uh, economic uh, theory. And um, Kahneman. Um, one of Kahneman's insights that uh, I've always found to be particularly interesting is that th th there's a lack of agreement on what experience or experiences we should be guided on. And, and, and Kahneman wrote, and I'm quoting now, the illusion that we understand the past forces, fosters overconfidence in our ability to predict the future, unquote. So, we would be been having uh, conversations the past few weeks because of the way inflation's been running so hot, you know, about should we look to the 70s, should we look to the 1980s? What 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 is the proper time frame? And uh, when you listen to some of the talking heads, they're now talking about the 1980s. Now, I heard a couple of interesting interviews with uh, Scott Minard, who was the chief investment officer at Guggenheim. And um, he also had an interview this past weekend that was published in, in Barron's. And uh, Minard thinks that the post-World War II, the late 1940s, he thinks that's the right period that we should look at mm -hmm. because there was roaring inflation, you had supply chain shortages, People had a lot of money that they saved up during the war. There was nothing to spend it on. We had an expansionary Fed policy. And uh, he thinks that um, this is the right period. And he thinks that um, the the Federal Reserve right now um, is um, he's opposed to what uh, what they're doing because he thinks a more traditional, more orthodox approach uh, would be uh, would be appropriate. And um, he 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 feels that uh, the Fed is on the wrong track, and he wants to see them control uh, their balance sheet and the money supply, and not try to be so heavy-handed about uh, about interest rates. So, I mean, there's another there's another perfectly valid point of view uh, at a time when you know we can't be certain as to what the uh, what the best course 
of action is and without even knowing what what is our best frame of best frame of reference so which is why i think uh, kahneman's warning is uh, is so relevant well i like what you said there in quoting kahneman the illusion that we understand the past fosters overconfidence in our ability to predict the future and whether you're <clears throat> trying to look at a, a comparable time uh, you mentioned post-World War II or even late 70s, when you zoom in on retirement planning, it, it becomes even trickier because retirement planning is so different now even than from where it was in the late 70s. And, and assuming there's more than one way to look at the past, what are some of the ways people can limit their cognitive biases? Well, I, th I think the biggest problem is that there's a big gap between the way you learn behavioral economics and then as an academic subject, as an academic discipline. And then how do you translate that in terms that, um, that you can communicate so that people can understand and use that as an investment tool? The professionals, you know, when you've got professionals who disagree about what is relevant, what's not relevant, what what lessons should we learn from the past, try to apply them to the future, you know, things are very, very confusing. And when we try to communicate about cognitive biases and we try to limit the damage that they do uh, in decision-making, the single most important thing is to have a strategy that's forward-looking. We want to avoid behavior that is self-destructive, and we want to avoid suboptimal decision-making. Now, an example would be in traditional economics, as you pointed out, classical economics is based on something that's called utility theory. And that assumes that all the information that anybody needs is available, they know what it is, and they can make a rational decision. So the first question that you have to ask is, do I have the information I need to decide now? Not necessarily do I have all the information that there is in the entire meta-universe, but do I have what I need to make this decision now? And here we are fighting against two biases that are very destructive. One is called recency bias, and the other is overconfidence bias. Just because I was successful before, maybe I picked two great ETS. Maybe I picked a great mm -hmm. stock. Why do I think that I can be successful now? So without going through the process, I just take a mental shortcut. So if you're going to analyze, if you're going to think about the decision that you're about to make, You've got to give yourself the time and you want to focus only on the most direct information that you need to make the best decision that you can at that moment. So that's that's the first thing that I would say. Second thing is to ask yourself, what are the risks and the rewards of this particular decision? Because when we are overconfident, we tend to ignore or brush aside the negatives. Now, Kahneman's loss aversion bias often leads people to sell on impulse and also to be frozen in inaction 
when they should be acting to benefit if there's an opportunity that potentially in the short term might reduce their return. Now, people, people often stop by saying that if they sell from their portfolio, they may be taking a loss, and that they think that's very painful. But it may not really be meaningful in relation to the overall size of their portfolio. This could also lead, as I'm thinking about this, to another bias, which is called mental accounting, mental arithmetic. And, and, and this is where you have subcategorized all your assets and when you, you and you don't look at them uh, holistically, you look at them in, in different silos. So you may take a loss in this silo and say, oh, it's terrible. Look what I experienced. It's the only thing you can focus on for the next two days. Mm -hmm. But in fact, in relation to the entire portfolio, it's not, it's not terribly relevant. And if you keep on, you're going to take even bigger losses, which then will have the effect of impacting. Yeah, that laser focus portfolio. can affect the decisions you make, which to your detriment, possibly. Yeah, and and this, this is this is also where Kahneman gets the distinction between fast and slow thinking. Uh, he's concerned here that fear and and impulse are going to impact your your behavior as a consumer and also as a decision maker when it comes to uh, to investing and income decisions. The third thing that you have to do is ask yourself, is the decision that I'm thinking about, that I'm contemplating, is it based on actual fundamentals or is it a change caused by the behavior of other investors? So recency bias and the bandwagon effect can lead us to a fear that we're going to miss the opportunity, that life is passing us by, we're standing still, and everybody is benefiting, and, and they're getting wealthy, so why shouldn't I? So you need to understand, uh, so here you're, you're moving from your own individual decision-making, and now you're just following the crowd. So you have to find out what is driving the trading? Is the trading an opportunity? Is it really an asset bobble? Is somebody just pumping and dumping? What is actually uh, going on? Is this a real opportunity or is this, a make, or is this just make-believe? Well, you know, we talk about you having someone like you along for the ride can help remove that emotion and and even the bias there, Fred can be at your side, by the way, 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We're not done yet. I just want to mention wherever you're listening, uh, you can reach out to Fred, 800-593-8188. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, uh, more steps to better decision-making through behavioral finance. And also, we'll take a very quick look at inflation and tie retirement planning to where we are now with inflation that's coming up on money matters usa are you losing sleep over market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings you can't afford to lose a big portion of your nest egg with not enough time to recover Many people want safety and the guarantee of principle, but also prefer the potential of higher growth with the market. And now you can have both. 
Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. Hey, we're back. It's Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade holds a Ph.D. in economics from Duke University. He's the founder and managing director of the firm Money Matters USA. And as you just heard, you can reach out to Fred, and that's no matter where you are, too. And especially when you really want somebody to dig deep with the the uh, right strategies for your retirement, 800-593-8188. Well, uh, you're no stranger to Duke University. Now, let me just say we are recording this podcast on March 28th. It'll drop on Friday, April 1st the day before Duke meets Carolina in the yeah. Final Four. So if you're listening after the Final Four, the NCAA tournament's over with, that's because we're recording beforehand. But I have a feeling I know who you're rooting for in Saturday's Carolina-Duke <laughs> matchup. You sure do. <laughs> rooting for uh, Duke and uh, great te- this great, talented team. And I want to see Coach K go all the way. Yeah, in his final. Well, it certainly looks year. like his team is. It's helping to build the adrenaline in his team. Oh yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. The fact that it's his yeah. last year and he's already at the final four. He said he wanted them to have that experience, so he's already hit one goal. Well, I, I'm Saturday night. You know, I'm going to be glued to that uh, television screen. Don't know if uh, the New Jersey Duke Club is uh, having a uh, a, a, a game watching game watch party. There they is a New Jersey yet. Duke Club, huh? You know, yeah, it's amazing. Right. A lot of people I have known uh, from New Jersey, a couple I've worked for, went to Duke. Really? Yeah, yeah. went to went to Duke. What 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 pulled you there to get your PhD? Well, to be frank about it, I was accepted at Harvard and Yale, but um, Duke offered me acceptance and money. Okay, okay. And also, uh, I had the opportunity to be the last graduate student of of a particular uh, professor uh, who uh, was very much involved in, in, in in the introduction of Keynesian economics. Uh, in, into uh, the 1930s, and um, and so it was. It was a great opportunity uh, for me. I mean, if I knew I wasn't going to work for the for the government, if, if I if I knew if I if I was going to work for the government, then you know Harvard or Yale would have would have been my choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but since I wasn't going to, I didn't see any reason to worry about that. And there are plenty of Duke. Uh, People who are her now in, uh, in in government and come back from government and, and teach at Duke. So uh, mm-hmm. it's it's not. Uh, it only seems to be an obstacle for uh, the, the court system. It seems to still favor, <laughs> you know, uh, Harvard, Yale, oh, maybe yeah, Columbia, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the Ivy League. But uh, I, I mean, I, I Duke certainly has an incredible cosmopolitan uh, atmosphere on on campus. Uh, yeah, great school, Car- no doubt. Yeah, no, all the Carolina fans will probably be be hissing me at this point. Well, we were talking before we started recording the podcast today about that passion there with Carolina fans and Duke fans. Uh, it's going to be electricity in the air. Let me, but in, in, especially in the triangle of North Carolina in any sports bars. 
Better. Oh, yeah. Pay attention yeah, to where you are. Are you in Durham? Are you in Chapel Hill? <laughs> uh, well, or are you in neutral ground Raleigh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's probably safer to be in, to be in Raleigh. <laughs> Maybe so, although there are plenty of Carolina and Duke fans in Raleigh, too. Uh, well, to it's be, interesting. Uh, we'll sure. see. Of course, again, we're recording before the game, so if it sounds funny, it would after the NCAA tournament, but that's the nature of a podcast. Well, yeah. we are going to continue with our checklist of questions questions that we're, we're going to talk a briefly about inflation that we're experiencing now and some good strategies Fred's going to touch on. But continuing with our checklist of questions to help slow down decision making and manage our cognitive bias. Yeah, the, the, if my fourth tip is to ask yourself, what does my future portfolio look like if I do not make this decision right now. In other words, if I postpone this decision right now, what does is, what is the portfolio look like? Now, every advisor, myself included, you get phone calls from time to time from a client who is either panicked or angry or maybe both. And the first thing that an advisor has to do is don't get panicked your, yourself. Stay calm because panic is contagious. Now, it's very easy to give in, and you can buy and sell whatever it is the client's worked up about. But you got to remember, why did you put the client's plan together? And you have to make sure that the decisions that, that you made when you put the plan together, that that, that that plan is coherent, and does the decision the client now wants to make, does that fit the long-term plan? Ask yourself, does the plan need to be modified or is the plan still valid? You have to answer that question, and so does the client. And I realize that this process can be difficult. The phone is getting real hot in your hand, and a client may be yelling at you and saying, is there something wrong with your hearing or something less charitable? Uh, I mean, I've been there. I've done that. It will happen again before we're out of the current situation, but it's important if necessary, to stand your ground with the client and, and make the client uh, tell you why. You have to be, now, I, I know that that's can be overworked, but you've really got to get to the why of it. Other, otherwise, it, it, you're just spinning your wheels. And then the client will say to you, why did you let me do that? Why didn't you hold my feet to the fire and stand up to me? Right. The fifth tip that I have for you is related to the fourth one, which is what are the reasons for taking this action? Are they emotional or are they rational? Now, behavioral economics holds that a bias is based on emotion. So why or you experience a, a compulsion to act. What's going on internally that, that's forcing you, that's pushing you, making you take this action? Because one bias that we often see at this point is called anchoring. Anchoring forces you, it pushes you to look backwards when you should be looking forward. Taking in the latest information, it's irrelevant about the past. What does every disclosure say about past performance? There's no guide to future performance. So there's another problem, which is called focus. 
And here we have tunnel vision. Things are moving past us. We're standing still, and we're not absorbing the fresh administration because we are just focused, laser-like focused, and we, don't, and we can't see anything else. My sixth tip is this decision consistent with my financial plan. We have a bias in our memory. We, 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 it's, it's that recency bias. We tend to overweigh current or recent events, and this makes other experiences seem to be more in the distant in the distant past. And sometimes then, distant past does you you forget about the bad of it. Yeah, and have fond that, memories. That's true. That's that's what memory does. And the cognitive studies have found that people usually remember the last thing or things that are said to them, and they forget or they place less value on earlier things that are said in the conversation. Financial plan has to be flexible. It's not a one and done. It has to be reviewed periodically. Life changes. Nothing stays the same. So you have to decide whether or not you're going to deviate from the plan. Will that be dangerous? And will that give you a set of negative outcomes? You have to make that decision because if the plan is not valid, then that's a bigger problem. That is a problem. But if the plan is valid, then just making these ad hoc changes, what is that going to do to the plan? My seventh tip is, is the decision that you're now making, is that something that we've already incorporated into the plan? Future is uncertain. And the future is not only is it uncertain, but it's not inevitable. So will the decision that I'm looking at right now make the future even more or less uncertain? You have to think about how is this decision, how did I make this decision? Why did I make the decision to create the plan? Would those, will that decisions give me repeatable positive outcomes? And if so, should I use this for my next decision or set of decisions? Or would I discard this? Discard this? Is, this is this simply a, a one-off? Unfortunately, there is no one decision or solution because we all have impulses that lead us to irrational decision-making, and those impulses are powerful and they're numerous. Imagine... Imagine that the stock market is in a decline and you have a very troubled sleep. You toss and turn all night and finally you can't sleep anymore. You, you wait until you know your advisor is going to be available. You, you call your advisor and you tell him or her, sell everything. Suppose there was a rule that said you cannot sell anything for two days and then you can sell if you still want to do that. Like a cool-down period. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. If this rule existed, uh, it would put a lot of downward pressure on our emotions, I think, to some extent. And, but this rule is not—it will never exist. But it does lead to, to another bias called restraint bias. And, and restraint bias occurs when a client who's risk-adverse— and wants only safe investments, but then is disappointed by the low returns that the safe investments 
produce. And this same client, not only who is risk adverse, also has loss aversion bias. And this is a powerful fear of losing money. And they don't want to take risks with their investments. So when you combine the two of these together, it, it, it is a very, very explosive cocktail. Well, when we think about who in our immediate circle of family and friends really care about um, our welfare, uh, the old saying is friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. Well, I mean, it could be your parents, your spouse, your children, grandchildren. I, I'm thinking if you are married, your spouse would come in top of that, in my prediction on that, because your spouse also has skin mm -hmm. in the game. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I... I, I'm, I, you know, I hate to say this, but because um, I'm going to say that I'm not paranoid and somebody else say, well, he's saying he's not paranoid. He must be paranoid, but I'm, I'm not. Uh, but, you know, we, we are surrounded by, we are pitched by, we are, we, we get a, a sensory attack by, by companies, by people, by media. Everybody wants your money. So they do not necessarily care about your welfare or your well-being. And, and that's, that's why and concern I, for you, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. They, they aren't necessarily concerned. They are concerned about getting as deep as they can in, into your share wallet. And that's why I use behavioral questionnaires and use behavioral evaluations and trying to understand cl my clients. I'm, I'm trying to understand them so that they can understand themselves. And, and this is a mutually exploratory experience. So if we can measure what somebody wants to do against what they've done, we're, we can then, we're on a very safe road, a safe path, uh, so we can create a financial and income plan that, that will stand up and, and that both uh, both I as the advisor and the client can both support and have confidence in. So when these uh, pressure moments come, then we can we can do the things that I am talking about here because that's the only way that we can stand up and, and not and not just make mistakes that in many cases are not easily, correctable, especially when you're retired and there's no fresh money coming in. We're dealing with what we're dealing with, and this is what we've got, and we've got to live on it and make it last and maybe grow it a little bit. This is, this is so important to, to understand and not, and not chase after the next shiny, glowing object. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely, because it's it it is building that financial plan and and that income plan. And in terms of retirement, let, let's do a quick closeout on the uh, podcast today, just looking at inflation as it, as it pertains to retirement planning. I, and I know um, we're not quite there where we were in the late seventies, early eighties, and we mentioned this before. You can't really totally compare the two eras and in your retirement planning simply, well, one thing is the biggest thing maybe is that retirement planning is so different now. I mean, a lot more pensions back then. Uh, people didn't yeah. live as long. So yeah. how do we, how do we have as inflation proof as possible portfolio? The single most important thing to do is, is to work on a budget. 
Now, uh, and also to to look at inflation within that budget. Now, over over many years, I have built a budget template, and using information from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, I have been able to figure out uh, what the rate of inflation is uh, for different items in the economy, and then it also gives the individual to to uh, input. Um, against that, what their own personal rate of inflation is. In other words, if you have a fixed mortgage, you're not going to inflate that. On the other hand, uh, if you don't drink uh, milk, you don't need to worry about, about milk. On the other hand, if you uh, eat a particular brand of cereal or uh, you, you know that your breakfast is uh, you know eggs and, and toast or, or whatever it might be or whatever, uh, whatever is in your lifestyle, um, do you use a dry cleaner? Do you do you wash every wash? Uh, in other words, just whatever it is in your in your style. So create the create the budget. I can't emphasize enough the importance of the budget, and also adjust for uh, inflation. And that that's those are the imperatives. After that, you can worry about about uh, assets. We live on income in retirement, but but that's not the important issue. At the start, the start is get that budget right because you can't do any. That's your roadmap. You can't do anything without without the budget. And and get that right definitely, and then start looking at you know in simplistic terms the bucket strategy. Um, yeah. And and maybe in a risk bucket, maybe look at what what makes money in, in during inflationary times. Well, let's say oil that- maybe. <laughs> Well, no, it's, I, look, it, yeah. it is a challenge. I mean, I, you know, I've mentioned many times that I monitor, you know, these Facebook groups and, and you know, and talk to clients and so on. But um, it, right now, right now um, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, the bonds are in a bloodbath right now. So if you're going to rely on, on bonds, you're, you're, you've got a real issue here. The other thing are dividend-paying stocks. I saw a guy posting, oh, I got a 7% dividend-paying stock. Look how smart I am. But the higher the higher the coupon is, the more likely uh, or the more risk there is, depending upon which sector of the economy that firm is in. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why the dividend is so high. Uh, there's a good possibility that, that the dividend could be cut or maybe not paid at all. And do you have cumulative or non-cumulative uh, dividends. Are you, you going to wave goodbye to them, or will they pay, be paid, you know, someday? Uh, so you you don't you don't really you don't really know that. But bonds are very risky uh, right now. They're being they're being disintermediated uh, against because there's there's that opposite relationship between between uh, interest rate and yields, and and treasuries are not a good place. Uh, you know, to be in unless unless uh, you 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 just can't stand it anymore, and you're going to disregard everything, and you're just going to be in in treasuries. You're you're going to accept negative yield and and, and negative net return, and the same the same thing for most bonds right now. It, it, these are negative net uh, returns, so it's very hard to inflation proof a a, a portfolio uh, right now. Lattice strategies are. Are, are 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 effective, and it just depends on what you put into uh, that ladder. 
and it will it can be used to counteract uh, uh, inflation. But this is another case where uh, money it's money well spent to ha to hire a, a professional advisor uh, to help you. And uh, we have uh, we have access to to better software, stronger software, better more more uh, sophisticated uh, strategies, uh, better calculators, and um, we have a better understanding how to how to how to protect yourself, how to protect. Uh, on, on the uh, growth side, on the loss side, and, and how to make sure you you come out uh, on the other side uh, whole and intact. Well, and and that's a, that's a good good place to really end it and say because I know we're going to be talking more about inflation in future podcasts and and also video casts as well. But eight hundred five nine three eighty one eighty eight is how you can reach Fred uh, fiduciary Fred Sade eight hundred. 593-8188. Yes, that video series available also, too. You can search YouTube, Money Matters USA, with Fred Sade, S-A-I-D-E. Thanks for staying with us on the podcast. We drop this every Friday at 12 noon, and it's a new one every week and a fresh one every week. Uh, Fred, I know we'll be talking more about inflation. I look forward, as always, to our future yep. conversations. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks for being with us. Stay with us on Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.